Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. If you're in Scotland and want a tool or an implement, you're going to want to ask for a Warkloom. And we've got at least three Warklooms here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. Uh, Every time I look forward to this great morning podcast with my guys and Alex's long and this day short rant uh, at the beginning, it makes me want to overconsume. I've been I'm saving that in. one, you son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah, got you, got you. I oh, knew it. Uh, I'm Justin, and Alex is doomed. <laughs> I'm Pete, and we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol season three, episode eight, subconscious patrol. Spoiler warning here if you haven't checked out the episode yet, but. Broad Strokes, the Sisterhood of Danta has released the Eternal Flagellation, which, as we find out in this episode, Face Birds. Face Birds takes everybody and switches them with their subconscious so they need to deal with their trauma. And until they deal with their trauma, they are not allowed to escape their subconscious. Of course, the Doom Patrol takes their own riff on it and ultimately does face down with each other. By the end of the episode, we get one more additional face down of the thing that's been teased throughout the entire season, which is Rita face to face with Laura, who is now called Madame Rouge officially. We talked about that a little bit the last episode. Cage match. But lots going on here. There's puppets. There's doubles. There's uh, so many things happening. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, what'd you guys think about this? Justin, you look like you're bursting at the seams here. I am, because I know this is something that you'll probably want to address in a second. The oh, fact that oh my guy, me, was right about Rita being Laura. Mm, what? Huh? What? The moments in this, there, we see a couple moments in this episode. I'm sorry. Where, the end of the where, episode clearly proves that you were wrong, sir. No, but I was right Enough what? that I'm going to call it a W because Rita what? traveled through time to keep herself on the track to become the Rita that she does in this episode. So some what? of the th- people that we saw her encounter that we assumed were Michelle Gomez were in fact Rita herself. Okay, listen, I know there. this was a confusing episode because there were people talking to themselves. And oh, boy. For, I just want to say but, you're in a bad place, Justin, if Pete is about to explain the episode. Yeah, Go but ahead, uh, it was there was no face b- bird involved. It was, uh, you know, Madam Satan, a.k.a. Madam Rouge, uh, versus Rita Farr uh, at the end of the app. The battle royale, the thing we've been waiting for all season, it's finally going down. It's going to be bananas. I'm very excited for that. But the thing I'm addressing specifically is in the middle of the episode when she breaks into the Bureau of Normalcy, gets into the time machine, her memory returns and all of that. And that's where she secures the time loop. Um, And she was the one who was keeping uh, the younger version of herself on track at the lodge, uh, forcing her into that same situation. Alex, 
I'm trying to convince you here. No, no, no. You are correct. Yes, all of that was Rita. Rita is still not Laura. Rita like, was that's yeah, the, that's helping the Rita. She was the character yes. who we thought yes. Laura was. Yes. What? So in that's a way, correct. I was right and wrong at the same time with a net yeah, win as right. This app is already confusing enough. Don't do this to me. My brain can't handle all no, this. No, no, but Justin is correct. The thing is that he has been speculating that... The character we saw going throughout time who we thought was Laura was actually Rita, and Rita and Laura are the same person. What we found out this episode is that was Rita, but Rita is not Laura. They are two separate characters. So what they were doing very specifically from the perspective of the show was they were dressing them the same. They were putting them in the time machine the same to trick us and confuse us specifically to be like, wait, that's Laura. Laura can change shape. Is she pretending to be Rita? When in fact, the secret there was that was Rita the entire time, traveling through time as she wanted to be. She is a mistress of time this whole time. Um, But I think so that complicated explanation is just one tiny facet of this wildly complicated storyline that's happening here. There really is a culmination of the entire series. Culmination. Everyone well, dealing with this all is the their big issues. thing that I wanted to talk about, which I'm sure Pete is going to get mad at me about as I've thought about this episode, which, mind you, I really liked a lot. I mean, how could I be mad at an episode that has Puppet I love Jane it. and Puppet Underground? Yeah. Uh, all of the stuff that they delved into was really good with Larry and Cliff and Cyborg as well. There's some big revelations at the end of the episode, of course, when we get back to the quote unquote real world. But here's the thing. As they're confronting their subconscious selves towards the end of the episode. Right, 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 right. It feels like purposefully, because there is more TV series to go, it holds back a little bit. Like the purpose of the eternal flagellation is to make you confront this ultimate truth about yourself, change your entire life and completely move past this thing. Well, not move past it, but at least you know, come face to face with it and like, sure. But they it. shouldn't Here, Here's my issue. I think by the nature of this is the eighth episode of the season. And there is an additional season coming of doom patrol. The characters can't be like, and I wood, faced hopefully. all my trauma and moved on the end. Like this is not the last episode of the show. That's not what going to happen. And Dude. honestly, I don't even think that'll happen in the last episode of the show. But here, because of that, we get, the eternal flagellation waffles is, I guess, my point oh my, here. Is okay, that like the eternal second. flagellation well, wait, 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 wait. is not it's as more effective. of a temporary flagellation? Exactly. It's just more of like it's more of a hold up. Pete, hold. it's more of an eternal flagellation. You, you no, love that, right? No, no, you no, like no, that joke. No, 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 no. You like you, that. Hey, you like that fart stuff? You can't huh? just you can't just automatically change after you uh, spend a little time with yourself. I think LT said it best when he said, I'll try. He realizes what he has to do moving forward. That's the big aha moment. This is what you need to work on. It's yourself being like, Hey, this is my hell loop. And until we get you out of this, we can't move forward. So it's not like I'm new, although there is a lot of that. It's kind of like I have, the next steps to try to get myself out of this. Well, here's what I would say, because I think some character arcs are successful and others are less successful. For instance, I think the Jane one, um, her sort of K growing up and moving past all of her trauma and 
not really needing the underground anymore, sort of where we are with her. Yeah. That feels like forward progress. That feels like well, new things are happening, and Jane is is changing here into it's maybe not Kay forward into- progress because if it's just her and Kay, you know, now you have someone who can't travel throughout uh, the world and kind of drop Flip. you off. Well, yeah, so let's very like, quickly to talk the broad nice. overview of Jane's storyline. She finds herself in a children's show. Everybody in the underground has felt puppets, including Jane. Kay is in. What we know is Jane's body. She's taken over now. And by the end of the episode, the thing that she has to confront is Kay, like you were saying, Justin, is decided, no, I want to grow up. I don't need any of you anymore. But then Jane freaks out because I think the really smart revelation here, the thing that she realizes is, like we've been talking about for most of the past couple of episodes, is she's like, no, 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 I'm selfless. We all need to be ready to move on. But when she's actually confronted with that idea that she's not going to exist anymore, she loses it. And that moment was phenomenal and dark and upsetting. But when she comes to the underground and she's prepared to be like, okay, I'm going to broker a deal. I'm going to like beg for my life here. It's already too late. Everybody in the underground is left and it's just her and Kay. So that's the overview of the storyline. Pete, what did you want to say? Well, I just wanted to kind of check in with you a little bit. Did you feel seen in this? Uh, as a scene? puppet myself? Yeah, yeah ah! as a Muppet. Yeah, where you mm-hmm. kind of like, this feels right. Like- oh, are you talking about my hands specifically? <laughs> my Muppet hands? Uh, I'll mention this on the podcast. This is a really interesting fact for everybody. But I have uh, what are medically called Muppet hands. So most people have medically. Two, medically, I don't know. it's a medical term. Uh, two lines on their hands, one that goes down, one that goes up. They don't quite meet through the middle of the hand. But yes. I only have one line in the middle on each. And I'll say this is actually, I think, the second time I've talked about it in a show we did. The first time was it semi-organically came up on a live show. And I have never in my life met anybody with these hands. And I was like, yeah, I have these Muppet hands. They do this. And our guest was like, oh, I have those hands, too. So. And let me throw this extra new thing here. My daughter has those hands. Really? Muppet hands lives. Oh, man. Your daughter or my daughter? That's it. (laughs) Over the course of this. um, Wow. Wow, being what reminded a reveal. Of the- <laughs> I'm glad you guys are in separate places. If this was a live show, we would be it would be a lot more awkward. It's not awkward. It's just Alex and I have to have a very long conversation. Yes. To answer your question, though, yeah, I love the puppet part. It reminded me very favorably. They did the same thing on Legends of Tomorrow, which they're not the same show, but like Legends of Tomorrow and Doom Patrol feel of a piece where they're both shows where they can go anywhere and do absolutely anything in the DC universe and don't feel necessarily beholden to rules. So I really liked it. Visually, it was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. Also, it was they, kind of funny they tore that, that, that she yeah, to death to pieces. Yeah, that, that was the first ones to like, as soon as they were in their kind of thing to kind of turn on each other, which was a kind of a funny uh, choice. I imagine it as um, Lamb Chop, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, famous Chop. Uh, puppet yeah. lamb who sings the song that never ends. Yes, uh, that's absolutely what the reference was there, even though it was the doll that Kay had when she was a kid. But that was very fun. And the way they executed ripping that doll apart was very fun as well. So I was saying um, I did really like this Jane storyline. I think it is like it's propelling the character into a new spot, um, dealing with new things. But then you have a storyline like um, Larry's say where LT, it's constantly looking backward at the the, um, 
the situations and the traumas and mistakes he's made in the past. And then in the present, he's always in the same place. He's like, I got to change. I got to move past this. And he's just been in that place over and over and over again for so long. And here we end with him uh, picking up his little larva bug. And I think that could be a step forward. I'm, no, that's, I don't want it, that to be alive. There's a relationship there, I think, happening. Oh, but I, I just feel like we, we need that forward progress, or at least a path forward for these characters, and not just re-examining these same traumas. Uh, my big problem with the Larry storyline... Oh, take it easy with that. Take that down a little bit. No, is that the wedding thing, which I thought was a really good thing to potentially play on... Yeah like you were saying, Justin, or like you're getting towards, doesn't really connect to the maggot thing, you know, which they did a much better job of connecting that to what was going on with his son, Paul, when his son Paul was there. That's what that's about. It's about fatherhood. It's not necessarily about, like, coming out to his mom or refusing to do his wedding. What are you talking about? That was like, uh, LT's about to become a mother to this larva bug, okay? And that larva bug might have decisions that kind of question LT's, you know, religion or belief system. And he's just got to kind of revisit that before he takes on mothering that bug. So I don't know, man. I think maybe you're off. So what you took away from that is that larva is going to grow up and immediately find religion? Is that what you're getting at? No, I'm just going to say maybe, you know, that bug <laughs> is like, I'm going to get a tattoo, you know? Mm-hmm. And, or uh, maybe it'll uh, be into REM and it'll like uh, losing my religion. You know? Yeah, exactly. You don't yeah, know which definitely way it's get into go. REM. Yeah. The, uh, the thing with, I like how you, see, he's already been a father and mm-hmm. sort of like he failed at that and he has decided he's m- going to move past it in these last couple episodes, which I thought was great. And now he's become a mother, the bug mm-hmm. mother. Yep. Um, and maybe he'll be a better mother to this uh, bunch of flies or whatever's inside. Two two quick things that I wanted to say about that. I know we touched on this already, but I did think the scene of him picking up and cradling the larva is gross and awesome. Really enjoyed that. Very, I'm creeped out by bugs, but I'm excited to see how that goes as they continue. But this is to push a baby on. bug. A yeah. mac, it's a baby <laughs> bug. Good. Ugh, awful. There was one time when I was probably about 11 or 12 years old. I was walking home from school and I saw something moving on the side of the sidewalk and it was a dead squirrel that was full of maggots that were crawling out oh, of its flesh. Stop, dude. Stuck with me my entire life. Oh. Which my point is that's why I love them. Dude. The well, other thing really that I wanted to mention, though, there. just as a, a overall structural thing for the episode oh, that I man. thought was really cool and smart is this is, I believe, the first time the whole cast has actually been together. Yes. And the way that they worked it out that uh, Matt Bomer and his body double as Larry Trainer could be in the same scene, Brendan Fraser and his body double as Robot Man could be in the same scene, and then since that doesn't quite work for Diane Guerrero, you could have the puppet come in. For Cyborg, you have the General Tony, which I think was, you know, it is what it is. Whoa, whoa, we could whoa. probably talk about that whoa, in a whoa, second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. General Tony was awesome. The guy we'll who played there. General Tony we'll get there. My did an point amazing being, job. My that point was... being that they did a smart job in the writer's room of figuring out, like, oh, this is a thing we can do. Let's make this work physically so we can have everybody tear. And I just have to imagine it was also a nice time on set to be like, oh, yeah, we've been doing the show for three to four years. Now here all we are, which is cool. Yeah. Got the gang together. It's like it, it was a beautiful um, sort of party, almost like um, 
like one, I, like if a deer is killed beside the road and there's like a bunch of no, maggots stop, swimming stop, in and out of it, stop, like that was sort stop. of like a party kind of a thing. Yeah. Stop it. But I do. Party, how guess. come you needed, you needed to take a full minute just now? I did. I'm yeah. glad that I hadn't just eaten breakfast because I would have puked all over my computer and microphone. <laughs> that would have been a great podcast moment. <laughs> just because I, of the image of a of Yeah, a and he was painting a picture, and I was right there with him on the walk, and uh, it was it really grossed me out. What well, um, don't you like? The maggots eating the dead yeah, fish? No, he was grossed out by the idea of people walking places. Yeah, <laughs> take a car, blah, blah, brake, tops. No, but the the cliff on cliff, what the fuck moment. I could have watched that for twenty minutes straight. Like that was just uh, it was just really fun. That back cliff and forth. on cliff. Well, uh, let's talk about the cliff storyline then, because what happens here is that he is confronted with the time that the big stripper party was thrown for him by Bump. I believe it was Bump and all of his friends. And he left Clara as a kid in his car and he didn't care because doing blow fucking strippers made him feel like a king. And that's all he cared about. And he ultimately asked to confront the idea, which I thought was really good to like draw a line under this. That he's doing the same thing now with this Parkinson uh, med, yeah, with the awful. online gambling, with everything else. He hasn't changed at all. And then ultimately when he's confronted with that, he realizes, okay, maybe I do need to change. Yeah. Which was huge. Yeah. But that moment in the garage was just heartbreaking to see him kind of like, uh, you know, zoom back to there. Um, and it was just like, oh, God. Um but it's huge. That's huge for Cliff because hopefully he can change and be a better father. Because uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's uh, it's heartbreaking. It is this thing though, and as a dad, I feel like I can say this: I'm not a father. Um, you know, there is you know sacrifice that you make for your kid. You know, where this thing of like, you know, I gotta do so much for my child. And uh, I don't get to, you know, uh, me, myself, had any time for, you know, enjoyment or anything like that. So I think that's an interesting idea that he's kind of turning up to 11 there. Now, Pete, did you feel any connection to this storyline, um, Cliff leaving his daughter in the car in, in relation to how you left your cat without their treat? Um, on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. when you, when you give your cat Man, alive. Because uh, yeah, you're, you're too busy partying with your friends on a podcast and you just leave your cat, your little oh. kitty. You, you, Stop. Without Every their Tuesday at 7 p.m. Cat, you feel like a king. I saved that cat's life, all right? So don't fucking come at me and that cat gets more treats than it should, all right? Sounds I, like you, you haven't learned your ask. lesson yet, Cliff. <laughs> I want to ask if you related to having a big old race car cake. Is that anything that you ever had at your birthday party? Oh, man. Uh, I've had a lot of fun-shaped uh, cakes, but race car, not oh, one Oh, let's of hear about them. I'd like yeah, to hear on, about these. Is it cake? Uh, Is it cake? <laughs> um, but... I just wanted to say, like, as far as, like, the whole uh, cliff thing of it all is, that Trans Am is sweet. That is a sweet car. You shouldn't leave a child in that car. You know Wasn't it mean? a Camaro? Is that the same Camaro. thing? No, it's a Trans Am, you fuckers. They literally said it was a Camaro. The cake might have been a Camaro. No, I, the Trans Am had the Phoenix on the hood, didn't it? This has to be like some car that was on the side of a shot that was not the main car because oh, okay. they literally are like, I left her in my Camaro. Yeah, they did say that. Yeah. 
At my next birthday, I want to have uh, Pete jump out of an Alex-shaped cake. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, or me, sort of like those maggots that came out of the squirrel, right, Pete? Oh, yeah. I want to have you swimming in and out of a Pete-shaped cake like maggot. <laughs> like a maggot. Hey, Justin, that wasn't funny. <laughs> Why? Why, Pete? Did that too close to home? No, yeah. you Did I ruin cake. your birthday plans? You insulted cake. And Pete, right. Pete draws a line at that. I couldn't, I couldn't cut into him. I did like the detail that the cake then became the car when they were flying through that very, yeah. uh, what was Tripped it, like, world. yellow submarine. Right? Yeah, the rainbow, rainbow world. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a lot of fun. The rainbow world was uh, worth it alone. I mean, that's a fun tripped out scene right there. It also well, made we, me, oh, go ahead, Justin. Okay, before we move past Cliff, this, this whole Parkinson's thing, it feels like such a stress from a, just as a fan of this show to the, this is hovering over. He fully believes it. Maybe it is, maybe he does have Parkinson's, but he, there's never been like a diagnosis. He just says like, assumes he has it. He's been taking all these weird internet pills for it. But, and it, this episode seems to sort of cement it as like what's happening with him and he's facing his own mortality. I, I just don't know. It's such a tough story point to sort of swallow and uh, move past, I guess. I completely understand what you're saying. I'm glad they're going for it, though, because I think yeah. it would be way worse for them to reverse on the Parkinson's and be 100%. like, oh, no, he, do- he doesn't have it. He's fine. It also points to the fact that, like, at least two of these characters are, per the title, legitimately doomed at this point. Yeah. Like, Cliff is dying of Parkinson's. Jane is going to be completely erased. Uh, Larry and, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Rita. We'll get to that in a second. But Larry, Rita, and Cyborg seem okay at the moment. But it certainly seems like as we move through the show, depending on how many seasons it gets, I can see a place where they all die at the end. You know, like oh, that's on, it man. for them. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It would be bad to reverse it, but... I also want to know reverse the curse. Put a flag in it so we know where we are with it and mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah, I can see that. Well, why don't we move on then? And we talked about Cliff. Uh, we should talk about Cyborg and General Tony. Yes. Pete, it seems like you liked General Tony. Well, first off, uh, the actor who played General Tony it was it's just a fun choice for that role, and the. Uh, kind of like whole soldier thing and building the fort was adorable. I just liked the choices they were making uh, with General uh, Tony and the whole like uh, people have to find their duty. Uh, It was just, it was enjoyable. I, here's the thing. I liked what it was talking about in this storyline because what we got was Cyborg as a kid going to a toy store looking for a black superhero toy and there being Nothing there for him other than this General Tony figure. His father, Silas, apologizing for Cyborg's behavior there and ultimately how that affected and impacted him in terms of becoming Cyborg when he was growing up. And I liked all that stuff, but perhaps similarly to the Larry storyline, it felt to me somewhat nonspecific to the human skin storyline, which is the main thing that's going on with him right now. And I do wonder if there was some aspect of the script or something that was discussed at some point about having human cyborg and robot cyborg facing off, like that being the subconscious thing, Mm. but they didn't want to reveal human cyborg until the actual end of the episode, which is understandable. Yes, Pete. That's interesting. Okay, uh, counterpoint, Mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. Because the idea of a 
you know, black child looking for uh, something to relate to, getting frustrated about it, then immediately having the threat of cops called and like his life being ruined forever and his dad pulling him aside and being like, hey, things are different for us. We cannot make mistakes. And he went from a 10 year old to a soldier. He realized mistakes. You can die explaining so much of why cyborg is cyborg in such a small moment. I thought it was unbelievable and really fun choices. I I agree. I really liked the, that opening sequence, especially. And then it relating to like, at the end, he realizes he never really had a childhood because he became this soldier and, yeah. Had to deal with these larger uh, moral problems, uh, racism, right and wrong, all these different things. Uh, the only thing to Alex's point is none of that really relates to him giving up the cyborg part and becoming humans, having the human skin at the end. Um, I think this was a great story about cyborg dealing with his issues. I'm very curious how they're going to sort of double back on the him losing the robot side of him as the sort of next step for him. Okay, well, that makes do seem a bit unrelated. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. I like the storyline. I thought it was really powerful and it was really well executed. Um, I just wanted to connect more to the overall plot line of what we've been dealing with with Cyborg, specifically this season. Like, this was more a really good general Cyborg story versus the specific Cyborg story of what's going on right now. But also, like, the little moment of giving a young cyborg a mom walk rock was really... Uh, that was cool, too. I wonder if they're going to circle back around, walk because rock. that's a that's a really kind of cool thing to kind of And do. I did also really like the reveal at the end of the episode of all-human cyborg. I mean, you knew it was coming, and you understood it, and I don't think they were trying to hide it in any way, but the way it was shot... You knew that reaction. was coming? Yeah, the way it was shot, they were just showing one half of his body. So oh, I did not want that moment to come. It was heartbreaking to see that. Well, I, I, I thought it was really well done. And I also, on an emotional level, actually tying into the storyline, we have the fact that Silas was there for him after he wanted to call Ronnie instead. I thought it was really good. And that gave a really nice emotional punch to it as well. Like Justin saying, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next episode with him well, in particular. That's the great thing about this kind of episode as well, which is very exciting, is this, you can't wait for the next episode because of how different where these characters are and how they're kind of, kind of made forward. For a lot of them, it's going to be very exciting. Now, we did touch on it before, but we should probably talk about Rita a little bit and what's going on with her, where she swears that she's not, but it's pretty clear to me that despite Madame Rouge, A, getting the name Madame Rouge, joining up with the Brotherhood of Evil, getting an evil time machine, coming forward, and all of these things that went on, Rita is the one who's the villain here, right? Yeah. Rita's the bad guy. Yeah. So what do you feel about that, Pete, about this path for Rita? Rita's not... It's not the bad guy. We're rooting for Rita Farr. Come on. Rita is the worst villain in the history of this series and maybe the history of the world. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it goes Rita the worst, then Niles. Rita's worse than Niles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then... H- Hitler. Right. That's right. Hold <laughs> on. Let me just check my list. Um, then I have a bunch. I've Hitler a couple of times. Yeah. But yeah. again, Rita's in the bottom position. Okay. Right, Pete? Uh, no, no. She's obviously a conflicted villain. Obviously, she's using the excuse of art, which I really liked a lot. I thought that was really nice. That was nicely hysterical done. when Rita's like, it's art, so fucking shove a stick in it. Like, I don't care. 
Was, well, but she's using that as an excuse, I think, because what she really is is, you know, she loves Malcolm and is wants revenge for his death, or in his trying to just would. hold on to as many moments with him as she can. I so mean, that makes her that's like a tragic villain. But I like not a villain. She's just making people take a little time out of your day and 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 work on your shit. I think that's okay. what happens if your subconscious flipped, Pete. You don't want none. Of I think that part. happened years ago. To be honest with you, <laughs> that's true. I feel like we witnessed it live. <laughs> the central uh, conflict is pretty well stated when uh, Laura says art is bullshit, and then Rita shoots back, "Art saved my life." And yeah, I think exactly. that's the debate that's going on here. And it's a classic like, debate all throughout all of time. You know, it is, and you know, the people who make Doom Patrol are artists, but I think they're weighing fairly on either side whether art is bullshit or art can save your life either way. So I guess we'll see how they fall. What other moments in the episode do you want to call out, if anything? Is that sort of like how the last night the DJ saved my life? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the thing I would want to call out is um, Cliff's line, fuck this Freaky Friday shit. Yeah. When he picked up Larry and jumped through the wormhole. And then Larry being like, hey, that's, you know, that's it's not Freaky Friday. It's a completely <laughs> different thing. It was really fun. I really like that. Uh, oh, there's another line. The I mean, it was an easy joke, but... The that sounds like a bad comic book describing the situation. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah, it was good. Come on, Tony. Come on. Come on. I mean, the fort reveal, I was just, I was blown away by that. Uh, I love a, a pimplow fort. There's nothing better in a fort. I mean, come on, as a kid, come on. Yep. Uh, I also, also liked how they ran away screaming at the sign of a bike that was just riding itself singing. Like that was enough to be like, Oh yeah. Oh, this that is was weird. weird. That was hysterical that that sent them all running the other way. On the car tip, Pete, earlier on in the episode, um, when, uh, Cliff and human Cliff are first hanging out and, um, the Dada bird takes human Cliff. That's an IROC Z they're standing in front of, right? Uh, I don't, when he's in the dream, he's like, no, I'm going back too far. Too many it's just, yeah, at the beginning. Man, sort Pete, of very you're going to have to sacrifice your standing as car master of the podcast oh, if this man. keeps yeah, going. You're not the gearhead anymore. I guess it's I up to Alex I and just I. don't remember that scene. It's oh, well, yeah, it's before Pete, the Pete, stripper thing, Pete right? mentally for us. Yes, it's the top of the episode. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. I I could have sworn that was a goddamn Trans Am, but maybe I'm putting that on there like something. I don't know. Oh, boy, you're going to have to watch the entire episode again. I'm going to. Uh, I also really like the line, what happens in the eternal flagellation stays in the eternal flagellation. Yeah. Again, yeah. very easy joke, but very fun to hear. LT just going like, uh, you know, none of your goddamn business. Hilarious. Like, and I liked how Rita used like, well, we could talk about our problems or we could go on a crazy adventure. They're like, all right, adventure. I don't want to talk. Uh, yeah. I mean, overall, just like the movement in this episode was very enjoyable and kind of ended at such a fun, like tuned in next time uh, moment. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm even three seasons deep. I'm having a great time with the show. Yeah, we only two episodes left in this third season. Oh, man. It's pretty exciting. Before we wrap up here, let's talk about who is most doomed this episode. Pete, why don't you go first? Who is most doomed? I don't want to say it, but Cliff. Cliff is most doomed. Wow. And uh, I'm worried that he doesn't have enough time to turn it around with Clara because I really hope he uh, he uh, he turns 
uh, turn things around with her and, and, and makes things right. Maybe he could raise his cam girl as his daughter. Ginger? No. no raise Ginger. ginger. Absolutely. Justin, what about you? Who is most doomed? I mean, Jane's at the end of a rope. She's uh, running out of her ability to exist at all, and that's going to be a problem. The definition of doomed. Yeah, I don't know. I think the nun with the chainsaw is going to come back and save the day, man. Chainsaw nun or yeah. another? No, no, or, or a different nun, nun sorry, with sorry, a chainsaw. Oh, okay. Sorry, Just sorry, a regular sorry. nun with a chainsaw. Just a regular not, nun with a <laughs> okay. chainsaw. No, not chainsaw yeah. nun. They, they give them all chainsaws, right, when they sign up? For nunhood? That's half the reason, because it's sort of a tough life. <laughs> yeah. And being That's handed the chainsaw. When I'm driving day. around town in my Camaro, I always oh, see the boy. billboard that says, nunnery, sign up, free chainsaw. I got to rewatch that right now. It's driving me nuts. You uh, become the husband of the Lord himself and are gifted a uh, high-power, hilty chainsaw. <laughs> That's your prize. I agree with both of you guys on who is most doomed, but just to throw out somebody else, uh, Rita's in a bad place here, and I think she doesn't realize it what? at the end of the episode. You don't no, think I, like, I, Rita- don't, I think even if she wins this fight with Laura, she's not going to get what she wants out of it, you know, and she is going to realize that she put the entire world through this eternal flagellation, potentially for nothing. I also wanted to throw out, this is not about most doomed, but... I was shocked, Pete, shocked that you didn't shout out Niles as being most doomed. Specifically, there was a line in the oh, episode that Rita you says. You had me at uh, fuck Niles. That was just the greatest line. We've talked for like half an hour and you didn't bring it up. You've changed. Yeah. You've changed, I, man. You don't know cars. You don't uh, hate you Niles know, Calder everybody anymore. Everybody can get to an off day sometimes, all right? You're like a squirrel <laughs> swimming with maggots right now. Oh. If you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to podcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And before we go, a Pete of advice from yes. Pete LePage. Hey, uh, Talking things out, it can help. Look into it. <laughs> wow. Look into it. That's real wow. deep. No, Put no it on a poster in an elementary school. That's good advice. Gonna Google that right after we get off. I have to rewatch this episode because of you assholes. <laughs>